Welcome to Outspoken, a podcast for social change where we talk about current events and how they relate to interpersonal violence and abuse. Outspoken is a project of the Hayes Caldwell Women's Center located in San Marcos, Texas. If you or someone you know has experienced abuse and is seeking support, services, or needs more information, links to resources can be found in our episode description. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the views of their organizations or affiliates. Welcome to Outspoken, a podcast for social change. I'm Megan. I'm Hama. I'm Kiara. And I'm Nathan. And we're back with part two of discussing digital relationships. In our previous episode, we reminisced about our first experiences with social media. I'm pretty sure we brought up AIM and MySpace and Tumblr. Um, We talked a little bit about how technology added another dimension to relationships. And uh, we ran out of time. So we're here now with a part two to continue that conversation. We also want to honor that it is October, also known as Domestic Violence Awareness Month, which was created to unite those of us who are working on domestic violence issues and to raise awareness about these issues. In today's episode, we're going to dive a little deeper into how technology affects relationships and get into digital abuse and red flags, a little bit of digital safety planning and how to discuss these topics with the youth in your life. This is something that we definitely see a lot when we're uh, in groups with youth and going into different schools and we try to have conversations with them about, you know, what their relationships online look like and how um, some sometimes the idea of, you know, sharing passwords or your location with your friends or even your partner can be normalized with youth. Um, so we try to have some real conversations with them about that and how, um, you know, how that could affect like power dynamics and or, you know, how that could affect whether or not um, they have full autonomy uh, in their relationship. Um, and just kind of explore that with them and talk about boundaries and, uh, you know, how often is too often to be uh, texted by somebody? How often or how, you know, how long is too long to wait to respond or how quickly should I res- be expected to respond by people? There's a lot of uh, facets that uh, go into, uh, you know, how we communicate with each other now that we have these devices in our hands that wouldn't even have been the case, uh, let's say, 20, 20 or so years ago. But we'll We'll get into that a little bit, but what was, how's y'all's experiences been with youth, uh, Hama or Kiara, talking about these things? Uh, I learn a lot specifically with uh, the dynamics, well, not so much with middle schoolers, but a lot with high schoolers Mm -hmm. um, about what's normal to expect or what's normalized for them as far as expectations with social media or with phones, it's still very normalized for them to share passwords as a way of showing trust or developing Mm -hmm. trust or establishing trust to prove that they're not cheating on somebody or to show empathy of this person was in a relationship before where there was a lot of trust issues. And I don't Mm -hmm. want that to be a part of our relationship. So I'm doing that to develop trust or I'm not uh, having had the opportunity to think about well, what happens if I do share my password with somebody that I'm in a relationship with and I do trust them and then I don't trust them later? Or somebody trusted me with their information and we broke up and I still have access to mm-hmm. their Instagram or their Snapchat and I want to know who they're talking to. So I'm reading their messages um, and that 
to sometimes it's other people like laughing because they would recognize that they would do that for them. They would also do that and the same behaviors. Or occasionally you get students who are like, no, that's messed up. It shouldn't be that way. And Mm -hmm. I know we talk a lot about uh, middle school and high schoolers because that's primarily who we were doing a lot of our work with. Um, But it would probably be the same with the young adults that we do a little bit of work with uh, at the university. So, yeah, I feel like it's definitely been interesting. Things that I didn't really ever have to consider, like you said in the intro whenever I was growing up, because technology wasn't that present in mm-hmm. our lives and in our relationships. For me, I feel like um, there was a lot of, well, at least when I was in high school and middle school, um, it was like this new feature on Snapchat where you're able to see their location. Mm-hmm. So if you ever dating someone and you... Um, most people in relationships would go ahead and turn their location on so their partner would know where they were at, like, at all times. So it's just like, oh, this group of friends is hanging out, and you would know, like, where they were at, which is kind of, like, a little bit too much now that I think of it. But yeah. it was pretty normalized. And then um, when I worked with students in the high school setting, especially the ones that were transitioning onto, like, um, higher ed, like, if they're going to university or college, um, a lot of the times they had, like, access to their... I guess, school accounts, because um, mm-hmm. let's say like they forgot an assignment be like, hey, can you like, please just log into my account and like email it to this place. So the printer, because they had like printers that you could just send that like your assignment and they'll you can just go pick it up. Can you just do mm-hmm. that so I can go pick it up? I'm late for class or things like that. And there was instances where I believe um, a professor shared this with us um, that I think it was um, two people they were in a relationship, they broke up and someone... I think it was the boyfriend had access to his partner's account and they broke up. It didn't leave off in like good terms. And he logged in and dropped him from all of his classes. Oh, no. Yeah. And I was just like, I feel like, I don't know, like that, that moment was just like, like, it leaves me shook. Like, I never thought like, <laughs> like, you don't think of things like that when you're like right. sharing passwords. And I feel like with you, it's ne- it's always like that. Like, you never, like, think beyond, like, oh, well, I mean, I trust you. Like, that's cool. You never think of, like, the extremes. But, yeah, that has been my experiences or stories that I've heard with um, students. I mean, yeah, that's a really good point. Like, what's going to happen when the relationship goes sour? Like, do you still want this person to have your passwords? And if the- and if you did make that decision, like, you know, maybe change all your passwords. <laughs> but I've never thought about, like... What would that be like educational abuse? Like that's I, I've never even thought of that as a a means to you know get to yeah, do that to somebody. I believe um, <laughs> for that certain university, they got uh, victim services involved. Um, mm-hmm. Some other there was a lot of departments involved because they were kind of like, okay, wait, like whose department does this specifically like what just happened belongs yeah. to? So they think they all collaborated, and I think there's now like something in the like student code of conduct that says like. You can't do this. Wow. Yeah. That's wild. And it kind of reminds me, I mean, with domestic violence issues, I have heard of abusive partners going in and they're if they're married, then they're totally on, let's say, the electricity account. And I've Mm -hmm. heard of people going in and just turning off their electricity or, Mm -hmm. you know, turning off their water or their internet or whatever and it's or ruining someone's credit that's kind of Mm -hmm. reminds me of that it's like i think both of those would fall under like financial abuse or technology abuse or 
whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's definitely not just kids who think of these kind of very sneaky and destructive ways to hurt each other. Yeah. Well, before we get too deep into, you know, the the downfall of technology and where it goes sour in relationships, I, I you know, there are some benefits, <laughs> right, <laughs> that I've definitely have appreciated uh, as um, technology has gotten more advanced that it's, I mean, in some ways it's helped me communicate better with some people that I might not have, you know, had the opportunity to stay in contact with. Um, I think Hammer was going to talk a little bit about our some of the benefits, but uh, yeah, let's let's dive in there before we get to <laughs> yeah into what's um, coming. There's, <laughs> there's a lot of positives and like cool things about uh, digital like relationships and just technology in general. Um, I think like the biggest one, or I think the biggest one that like because of the whole pandemic that we're still stuck in, um, mm-hmm. is just overall like connection with everyone else um or even us like as an agency we're able to connect with other nonprofits and agencies and see what they're doing what's working for them um Mm -hmm. and just just an overall connection with people and the fact that it everything is literally just like a google away (laughs) is crazy (laughs) i've had google ever since i feel like i was born and the fact that other people like back then couldn't do that it's just like I don't know, like, if I want to know something, I just go ahead and Google it. Like, there's a lot of conversations that I didn't have with adults that I probably should have, but they didn't happen. Mm -hmm. But thanks to Google and, like, educational websites like the one we have, you know, you're able to find that information. Something you said that just made, like, kind of stuck with me was about the communication, you know, during the, or the connection during the pandemic. And that's something that was really important to my um, oldest son, I have a, a preteen or he just became a preteen. And, um, you know, he was in remote learning in summer and we've been really careful and trying not to, um, you know, go out and do see too many people. So one thing that's been really helpful for him is being able to talk to his friends, um, and play games with them online, like through disc, like talk to them through discord. And he's a, he's a gamer. And that has been his lifeline during the pandemic, as far as being able to communicate with friends, uh, safely, you know, cause we weren't, you know, we're not getting together with necessarily just everybody yet. Um, so that when you were talking about positives, that's stuck out in my mind as definitely being a positive for my son and or for both of them, actually, for both of them to be able to talk to their friends online like that. Yeah, I I was reading somewhere recently that was saying like it's beneficial for humans or humans, I guess, do best when they get like five to seven hours of social activity a day. Whoa. Yeah. So it's like, we don't think about all the social interactions that we just naturally have being like members of a society that are around each other and Mm -hmm. working in an office. We get that. We get to talk and we get to, you know, share. And maybe if, maybe it's not like physical connection that much, but it's, we're still socially connecting with people and that ability to have that is definitely good. And, you know, we can debate on whether it's better to have it in person or so mm-hmm. uh, or distance. But the fact that it is allowing people to connect um, is extremely important. Like we all know what happens when people are socially mm-hmm. isolated. Right. It's, not, it's usually not great. Right. Yeah. During the pandemic – I found myself, like many other people, including uh, Megan's kids, 
um, using Twitch for the first time to mm-hmm. watch people <laughs> streaming um, and feeling not realizing how connected I felt just by watching other people post in the chat and to mm-hmm. have the potential to post in the chat myself, even though I didn't. But the opportunity for connection made me feel connected. The same with watching Instagram lives and mm-hmm. getting to see other people wanting to connect um, with other people socially when we couldn't do it in person as much that I really felt, I don't know, it felt nice. It felt kind of hopeful in a time mm-hmm. when it's like, I don't know, my connection now in person is whoever I'm living with and maybe the people I see distance from myself whenever I go to the grocery store every so once in a while. So, yeah. Yeah. I know Discord was one of the like apps, I guess you could say, or, or servers that like blew up during the pandemic. And I'm glad because mm-hmm. back then it used to be just like a gamer thing or like a Twitch mm-hmm. streamer thing. But um, I recently like logged back in into like uh, my account and I noticed that their slogan is now um, create a space for everyone to find belonging. And I just thought mm. that was really cute. Yeah, and I love that. They've grown a lot. They have like 150 million users and I don't know how many servers and I know um, a lot of clubs and organizations um, are using Discord now workplaces are using Discord now so I think that's super cool and um, I'm also really grateful that now we have like a lot more like HIPAA compliant technology for like Mm -hmm. doctor's appointments or counseling or anything like that like that's nice especially for those who like I don't know, you maybe like live very far away from the organization that you're trying to get services from, or it might not be safe to like do it any other way. Um, Something else that I really like about technology now is that like things are literally a text away, like the crisis text line. Yeah, right. Sometimes it's not like, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think it it expanded our service, you know, it expanded our services some too, whenever we had to, um, you know, go remote, I guess you should, you could say, and it, uh, we, it, you know, it enabled people who were far away or who maybe, uh, travel was an issue or transportation was an issue, you know, now they can, uh, as long as technology is not an issue, that's a whole other barrier, that, <laughs> that different episode. Um, but it's, it's, you know, so as long as they have access to the technology, uh, we're still able to see those clients, which was another really great benefit of having that technology, um, you know, during this, the, during these times. <laughs> Definitely. But also with online schooling. Oh, you want to go? Oh, I was just going to say, like, with online schooling, I just remembered with um, what Megan was saying about our kids. Um, Back then, um, like, things like if you had something going on in your life or if you had some kind of disability or anything, mm-hmm. um, you would miss out on, like, several, like, classes. They were like, no, you have to come on campus. And let's say for labs, if you're taking, like, an anatomy lab, it's kind of like, oh, you can't make it. I'm sorry. I guess you can't take that class, right? And the fact that now they have, like, online, like, virtual anatomy labs, maybe they might not be, like, the same or the experience, but the fact Mm -hmm. that that's available if necessary for students, like, everywhere, like, I, I don't know. I just think that's really cool. Yeah, we're increasing accessibility, with technology which is definitely another benefit for sure yeah it's opened up the world actually in an interesting way it's like for the last um you know few decades um we've been concentrating more and more and more in like bigger and bigger cities and 
through the uh, expansion of the the global communication network, we're able to um, have people work essentially anywhere. So there's these very beautiful remote kind of places in uh you know rural areas in you know specifically in america that i'm talking about um or in the united states and for a long time these places have just been been um turning into people deserts essentially because everyone is moving away and now that uh, the communication network has been open to these places, you see a lot of people from cities. I mean, Austin in particular, um, their tech uh, tech people are starting to move away. And you look in uh, California, Silicon Valley, a lot of those places are people are moving to rural areas where they can get internet access and buy a few acres and live sort of a a different lifestyle than living in the city and that's really interesting to me uh personally because i'm such a nature kind of lover and i I think that's that's so cool that you're planning out your future (laughs) exactly i mean it's possible it's possible and and it hasn't been possible before and that's really interesting to me yeah and i think another um part that i really like is just that um i mean we're social creatures, you know, we want to be accepted, we want to fit in, we want to have a lot of friends, we want to like be in relationships and, you know, just like be like everyone else, right? And a lot of the times um, youth uh, might feel like they don't fit in their local community. And, mm-hmm. you know, unlike us, like adults, like we might be able to find a job somewhere else. I mean, they can't really do that. <laughs> um, so um, social media or digital platforms are like a great way for them to socialize and find uh, a community where they feel mm-hmm. like they're not weird or like crazy, you know, they're just normal, like everyone else. So it's just all about like, you know, finding your people. Back then, I remember I would use Tumblr. Now there's like so many like Discord servers and chats. Mm -hmm. And if you're into like anything, you could probably find a Twitch streamer that does it, a YouTube (laughs) vlogger, someone who goes live on Instagram. There's literally like something for everyone, Um, especially. And it, it, I don't know, at first, when you think of it, it could be like, oh, that's weird and kind of lonely that you're kind of like watching this person live their life and you're just like on the other side of the screen. But I don't think of it that way. Like, I don't know. It's kind of fun, especially when you're interacting with them, like in real time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really cool. I mean, it can be really validating too. Like, especially if you're in a, a you, you know, especially if you're like a teenager and you're in that like kind of questioning, like, oh, am I weird? And you're kind of like insecure, like wondering like where you fit in the world it can be validating just to see somebody else online that's like similar to you or like, is you know, reminds you of yourself it, to just see that and be like, oh, wow, like there are, I'm not like I may not fit in like in my town or like where I'm at right now, but I'm not alone. You know, it's that common humanity piece, I guess, that we talk like to talk about <laughs> around here. Yeah. And um, have you all ever heard of study stream? Mm-mm. No. No? Okay. No. Well, I discovered this like last semester before I took a break from school. And it I think most of my classes were still um online at the time. And mm-hmm. a lot of students were used to like studying in the library, you know, around, you know, just being people seeing people studying, seeing students studying, just kind of like, you know, you do the same yeah. thing. It's a nice chill vibe. Uh, but you couldn't do that because libraries were closed. Uh but things like study tree study stream, sorry, it's essentially like 
if you're like in a giant zoom call everyone's muted you can have your camera on or off but it's just like literally you go in there you just turn your camera you just start like setting you have your books you got stuff, and it's just like you're like in a server with students from all over the world just studying no one's talking mm, we're I just love that. enjoying each other's presence like it's amazing i don't know i just really like it especially students for me like body doubling is like a huge thing yeah and um or like um uh, for work I kind of love shared offices. I remember in the interview, they're like, oh, we have a shared office. And I was like, great, because that's something that helps me a lot. Like just seeing other people get stuff done helps me get stuff done. And then working from home, that's been a little hard. Uh, or studying from home has been hard for other people as well. So I don't know, study stream, like things, the fact that they came up with something like that is just like so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. What's next level for that? Like VR, like your... You know, tell, VR tell library. We're in the joke. library together. <laughs> in VR, we're just talking away our day again. Um, yeah. No, I love someone that. shushes you in the VR yeah. library. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I love that because I agree with the body doubling thing. For me, like seeing people being in the space, like being in the library or or like a coffee shop where other people are working, it motivates mm-hmm. me to be doing the same thing. It's really, really cool. Which talking about, because us talking about getting connected to other people online and seeing other people doing things, making you motivated, made me think of a lot of the social change and people's connecting like to social change and different Mm -hmm. social injustices happening around the country and around the world during the pandemic and how technology really fostered at least in my opinion, a lot of people being more active in social change work or at least being aware of things online when it wasn't as safe to go out in the streets and organize. Mm -hmm. Of course, we saw a lot of people organizing in the streets, but um, I feel like I saw more people getting involved actively online um, and connecting to other people during the pandemic because it was safer to be able to do it that way. And that's another benefit of technology and connection is that it also helps people which we've talked about in other episodes getting to connect to social change in ways that they weren't doing it before um, because they're seeing more people being active in it too so that was also one of my favorite things to come out of the pandemic I guess if you can have a favorite thing to come out of a (laughs) trauma (laughs) but I mean it's so true though like the I you know that's a really good point how technology has aided uh, social movements for sure. I mean, think about like, which I know Me Too started, you know, uh, in domestic violence centers, not online, but the hashtag Me Too really had a lot of steam because of, you know, online influence. And we're actually able to like spread that information so much faster in an online space versus, uh, you know, I hate to say back in the day, but, you know, before technology was there. <laughs> yeah. Which I think is a good segue to, um, we've talked a lot about the benefits of using technology and the internet and connecting through cell phones, um, calling, texting, messaging, um, and our relationships to that. But as Megan mentioned in the intro, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And one of the things that we are mindful of and talk about a lot in the work that we do is that uh, technology can be one of the tools that people use to um, perpetrate abuse or be abusive or unhealthy in a relationship. And that abuse is about power and control and that using technology is just another way of perpetrating power and control against somebody else and that it can look um, 
it can take many different forms. Some things we talked about a little bit in the intro with um, maybe somebody uh, using it to track somebody's location. Um, but it can also look like telling somebody who they can and can't be friends with online or who they can text or who they can message, which we do see with youth a lot, um, that it's not always communicated in a way where it's you can't do this or you can't do that, that um, it's usually communicated in a way at first in the beginning as a showing concern uh, mm -hmm. for you or for the other person or for your relationship, how it's going to make your partner look if other people see you talking to other guys or other girls mm -hmm. or other people online. Um, or as we mentioned before, people see it as a way to build trust in a relationship. If you have nothing to hide, why can't you just... Um, share your information or not talk to a certain person online. Um, I'll trust you more if you're willing to not talk to that person. Mm -hmm. um, but we know that in reality that telling somebody what they can and can't do can be a red flag for controlling behavior or for isolation, which is a form of abuse that isolation doesn't always start out as you can't spend time with those people that it's, I don't like the way that um, that person treats me or they treats you, or they just don't understand us and our relationship. So uh, it can almost take on like a us against the world kind of mentality, uh -huh. which then isolates you from family and friends who would be your connection outside of the relationship. It's healthy to have connections with other people outside of your relationships, right? It's also very normal to get into a relationship and your life comes becomes consumed by this relationship. Mm -hmm. You want to spend all your time together. You want to text all the time. You want to call all the time and then spend all of your time together. Uh, but I wouldn't say that it's always a red flag if you're constantly spending time together, but it, it could be a red flag if it gets to a point where you feel like you can't spend time with other people or you yeah. feel guilty for not spending time with your partner um, or your partner starts to make you or you make your partner feel that they can't spend time with other people. That's when it becomes an issue in your relationship. Um, or somebody makes you feel unsafe if you don't respond to their messages immediately. Mm. Um, maybe friends can be a really good uh, indicator for recognizing that. So if your friend is seems attached to their phone or they say, I really need to respond to this message, they're going to get really upset or they get really annoyed or they get really frustrated um, or they start to really, maybe it's like a big reaction, like a panic attack. If I don't call back or if I don't text, that person's going to show up here and that's just going to be annoying and that's going to ruin our night. So just give me time to respond to this message. Um, I like Some how people you, just okay. use that. Oh, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, I like how you mentioned that um, it can be communicated as a concern or like how it can be like coercive the way it's presented. Like, because I think if, you know, if you think about it, like if someone told me what I couldn't couldn't post on the Internet, I would tell them like, you know, hell no. Right. But like, that's not yeah, right. I like how you really pointed out how that's not how it happens. Like it's it's definitely more of like a and it, and it could even just be like a highly uh like super suggestive or coercive, right? Like they didn't like what you posted. So it's like, yeah, I, yeah, I didn't really like what you post and just make you feel bad about it. So you just don't do it. Yeah. Or like make you yeah. feel like they didn't approve of it. So you just don't do it again. It's, um, I think sometimes people, there's a disconnect, people thinking that it's very overt when it's actually yeah. very subvert. And I really like that you pointed that out. Mm -hmm. Which reminded me because of, uh, it doesn't have to do with technology, but another form of abuse is like telling somebody what they can and can't wear. Mm -hmm. um, and it 
usually presents itself in a very similar way, or at least starts out in a very similar way of, are you sure you're going to wear that? Right. Or I like it better when you wear something else. Or I want you to just wear that for me. I want you to reserve mm-hmm. that for me. I don't want it, other people to see you wearing that. And it could be the same with technology. Of, um, I don't like when you post pictures wearing things like that or saying things like that. I only want that to be for me. And if that's truly how you feel, then you have a conversation, of course, about what your boundaries are going to be in a relationship. But if your relationship feels like you can't be who you are and this is who you were before the relationship, Mm-hmm. Maybe this is a relationship relationship that's not going to work out with for you. Mm-hmm. You aren't a good fit for each other because your relationship should you should be able to be who you are and not limit yourself. And if a partner's jealousy, which jealousy is a very natural human emotion, mm-hmm. just like sadness or happiness, doesn't mean you're abusive if you feel jealous in a relationship. But if it if you use jealousy as a way to control what somebody can and can't do, then it becomes a red flag, at least for something unhealthy going on, maybe even potentially abusive. So, right. Yeah. That's why so they're red, other... that's why they're red flags and not like screaming and yelling. Right. That's like, <laughs> it's, yes, like it's just yeah. a little right. red flag. You're not, ne- it's, yeah. it's, they're, they're not necessarily in your face. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's not a stop sign. It's there like, you go. Yeah. Something going on here is not great. <laughs> uh, we always use whenever we do this presentation, or at least I do. And I talk to the, um, a lot of youth about recognizing unhealthy, unhealthy and abusive behaviors. I compare it to a traffic light. Yeah. Um, with, green and yellow and red and green behaviors are things that you want to keep going and they're good and yellow are a warning sign that hey maybe you need to slow down it could potentially become a dangerous situation but Mm -hmm. we also know that there are a lot of us who have sped up and driven through yellow lights and we made it through and we were okay we're gonna hope that it's going to be okay um but the yellow light the red flag as a warning sign that things may not be okay so you should at least be cautious of what's going on because you could end up in a red light situation where it becomes dangerous and you or the other person or maybe even both of you ends up being hurt in some way um yeah so other ways that digital abuse uh shows up in relationships it can look like uh pressuring somebody to uh, take or send uh sexually explicit photos or messages or videos um or sharing any photos messages videos that a person sends you and that they don't want to have shared with other people uh, i've had this conversation with youth and through doing the work that we do throughout the years i've seen um At a few schools, actually, people taking pictures that were sent to them and uploading them to Mm -hmm. a cloud account. So everybody in the school has access to all of these pictures that other people see. And there's a lot of or other people have sent and there's a lot of victim blaming that's involved in this. Mm -hmm. Why would you send this if you didn't expect what other people are going to show it to other like to show it to their friends or to show it to any other person Um, or that? that it's sort of seen as like, this is what guys do specifically of like, Mm -hmm. why would a girl who's in a relationship with a guy send a picture to him and then not expect him to show it to his friends that this is just who they are, which we know that of course, like this isn't who anybody is. This doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be who you are. Like they're actively making a choice to violate your trust and violate your boundaries. And of course we have the conversation with youth of there's a risk with using technology that once you send something out there, 
-hmm. It is now out of your hands in whatever you post or whatever you type out on the internet. Um, You lose an element of control of whatever you're putting out there that you want to trust that whoever you're sending pictures to or messages to or videos to that they're not going to share it with other people. But even with not with content that's not sexually explicit, um, we know that once something's out there in the Mm -hmm. universe that it can exist forever and it can come back. So that's something that we talk to youth about being mindful about is that you don't always have control over what happens to content that you send to other people, but it's also never your fault if they chose to violate your trust or they chose to violate your boundaries and show it to other people because you had hopefully established a I'm not going to share this with other people that there's an understanding that this is just for this relationship and that I'm consenting to showing this to you, but I'm not consenting to showing it to other people. Um, And a question that we get is, is it illegal to send pictures um, or to do sexting in a relationship if you're a minor? And at least here in Texas, my understanding is that Sometimes there's a gray area there that it's not 100% illegal because we know that it's just a part of a lot of people's relationships, but uh, something that they are trying to do to prevent distribution is charging people with distributing it. So if you got a picture and you showed it to somebody else, then they showed it to somebody else and it got sent on and on and this other, the person in the picture is a minor, then potentially then we're looking at distribution of child pornography and that's Mm -hmm. a very serious charge. So put legality in as something to think about is that you're not only violating somebody's trust and boundaries, um, but you potentially are doing something that's illegal if you're showing pictures and videos and messages that you didn't have the consent to pass on. So another element of digital abuse that doesn't have to just be involved with a dating partner or a person that you're talking to or a person that you're just interested in having a relationship with, that these things that we can see with harassment and bullying can apply to your friend relationships too, that digital abuse doesn't just happen with dating partners. It can happen with your friends. Um, And that can look like putting a person down on social, social media or sending threatening or insulting messages, using social media to keep tabs on somebody, uh, which would get into the area of stalking, mm-hmm. um, whether that could be installing software on somebody's computer which or phone, which I don't think a lot of youth would be doing. I don't know. You would have to have access, but I know that it's with October being Domestic Violence and Awareness Month. And when we talk about domestic violence, it's usually young adults and adults. And then when we talk about dating violence, it's usually a little bit younger. So maybe with domestic violence and a couple that's cohabitating together or they're married, uh, we might see a little bit more of that using software to keep track of somebody else. Um, But usually with youth and young adults, sometimes we hear a lot about using social media as a way to keep track of somebody else. Who is that person who liked your picture, who commented on your video Um, or making multiple social media accounts to contact somebody who doesn't want to be contacted? So you broke up, they blocked you on social media and you make another account to contact them and that um, sometimes it's not always seen as abuse, right? You just want to have the opportunity to talk to the other person that it can be really easy to uh, justify or give a reason for why we do things right that people can use abusive Mm -hmm. behaviors because it feels justified or because it feels normalized because you saw other people doing it um 
and your friends say that they would do the same thing um, or because you uh, feel that you we, we talked about power and control. You feel entitled to be able to do this in your relationship, um, that there are a lot of people who just learn behaviors and they do them um, because they think it's OK. But yeah, using multiple social media accounts isn't to contact somebody isn't always viewed as stalking, but at the for face value, that's exactly what it is. Or using or creating a fake profile to catch your partner cheating on you to see if they're going to talk to somebody else, if they're going to flirt with somebody else that uh, we can go on and on and on. And there's a lot of content out there about uh, what digital abuse looks like in its many forms. These are just a few examples of what it could look like. Um, but if all of this is to say that if there isn't trust established in the relationship or boundaries or somebody feels is entitled to uh, having it be a certain way in your relationship, that technology is just another tool that people can use to be abusive within their relationships. Mm-hmm. So I'll pause, take a deep breath because that was kind of a lot, <laughs> gave a lot of information um, that usually we have uh, back and forth conversations, um, but I listed off a lot of information. Um Hema mentioned our website, stopthehurt.org, earlier. If you'd like to learn more about these things, please go and visit uh, Stop the Hurt. There's other websites that you can learn more, too, uh, about what digital abuse looks like. But in addition to talking about digital abuse, and as I mentioned before, we talk about red flags a lot, too. Uh, Red flags that may be something potentially unhealthy or abusive is occurring in a relationship. And that could be a person who's calling or texting or messaging so much that it makes you feel uncomfortable. Um, It could be a red flag that your boundaries aren't being respected or that they read your messages without permission, that you went to the bathroom or you're not paying attention. And then this person goes through your phone to make sure that you're not talking to somebody else. Or maybe you gave them access to your phone to be able to communicate, to play games, to log into their own social media, but they violate the boundaries that you put in place of, I gave you consent to do this, but I didn't give you consent to go through my messages. So that could be a red flag that your boundaries are not being respected within the relationship. Um, Hema had mentioned that sharing locations, if somebody demands that another person share their location or maybe they manipulate another person into sharing their location on social media or through their phones, could be a red flag that maybe there's some controlling behavior going on there. Have a conversation about boundaries or letting somebody know that that is or isn't okay with you. Um, or forcing or manipulating a partner to share passwords and passcodes that it doesn't have to be give this to me when I break up. It could be that I just want us to have trust in our relationship and this is a way that I feel that we could have trust in our relationship. So know that red flags can be very present red flags um, and that there's a number of reasons why people uh, see red flags and they just ignore them or they keep going, right? You want the relationship to be good. You're going to hope that it's not going to get that bad or you don't recognize it as a red flag. If it's normalized for you, it's happening in all of your relationships. Uh, you saw it in your family relationships. You see it in your friends' relationships. Maybe even your friends encourage you to do this. Um, you know what you need to do? You need to go through his phone or you can't trust you can't trust girls to not be talking to other guys online. So you need to tell her that she can't be friends um, with guys whenever she's in a relationship with you. Friends 
can give you bad advice about relationships because we're all figuring it out together and we're all just trying to learn how to be healthy in a relationship that nobody uh, 100% has it figured out. But um, it's still important to be able to learn more about what those red flags look like and recognizing what forms of digital abuse, um, ways that they can manifest in a relationship because we need to be able to hold ourselves accountable, right? Um, that that's one of the ways that we prevent abuse is by not perpetrating abuse ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very true. I want to talk a little bit about digital safety, um, especially when it comes to, you know, having some of these conversations as you're entering a relationship or maybe even before you enter a relationship and actually talk about your boundaries around technology and social media. Um, you know, like, Maybe you don't have a problem with the person, you know, using your phone sometimes, but maybe like you need to have, maybe you want to have certain boundaries around that. So maybe you are okay if they use your phone to like log into their social media or like play games or something like that. But that's just, um, you know, that's, a, that's why you, uh, you know, want to have those conversations about your boundaries as you're entering the relationship and not, um, you know, it's not a do it and then ask for forgiveness later, right? Because then you're getting into the, uh, area of like stealing somebody's phone and getting a hold of information that wasn't um you know you didn't have permission to have so again it's kind of like about talking about those boundaries having consent if you're going to use each other's phones and passwords and determining like what your comfort level is in regards to those things because everyone's going to be a little bit different um and that's why you uh should talk about it um if you do find yourself in a situation where you know there is um you know maybe you are having somebody who is uh, trying to get a hold of you online that you don't want them to, or uh, maybe you're already receiving harassing uh, messages. It, it would be a really good idea to save those messages and screenshot uh, any sort of um, threatening message uh, to have for your records in case something like that were to escalate. Um you also should be mindful of checking in on social media and where your locations are. Sometimes I think, Sometimes people might not realize that on different social media apps, your location can automatically be shared if you haven't gone into your settings and specifically turned that off. Um, so if you're, you know, wanting to be extra careful and uh, and have extra privacy and make sure that you know no one can find you, um, it's a good idea to make sure that you have your go into like the settings on each app and make sure that that is turned off because it's not something that's necessarily automatically uh, done. Um, and then also asking friends and family that could potentially post pictures of you on social media. If you're not wanting your picture shared, um, you know, let them know like, hey, don't don't tag me in this or hey, don't even post my photo in this. And I've um, and I've I've definitely had had have had different friends throughout my life have had those requests. And it's never an issue. Right. Like we shouldn't like that should be something that people have the ability to say they do or do not want their face online, right? Like that's a choice that we can all make and we should have no problem respecting each other's boundaries if that's the case. It's also, I feel like just to jump in and add that it could also just be a good practice and consent of just Mm -hmm. asking people like, hey, can I check you in here? Can I post this picture? Just getting consent before it goes online. Uh, Because you never know that sometimes people may not want to share that something's going on in their relationship or that they don't want other people seeing information. So if we can be proactive and just get into a habit of checking in with people that maybe it could take some people out of having to share um, information about themselves. 
Absolutely. Yeah. That would be the dream is if we all practice right. everyday <laughs> consent and yeah. uh, <laughs> and it wasn't and, and you didn't have to put yourself in the permission a position of being like, hey, don't do that because it's like they already asked you. I, that would be that's what we're working towards. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then also like uh, another uh, tip on here is just thinking twice about sharing passwords with people or passcodes and making sure that you're changing them after a relationship ends, if that's something you're, you're worried about. Um that's advice that we often give to uh, young people, especially because they really uh, tend to, that tends to be a trend is to share passwords. Um, so that's just something like, you know, be mindful of and think about, think it through and what's going to be on your phone and how much of your life do you want to be kept private? You know, all of those things. Um, and then other just general, uh, you know, online safety tips uh, is beyond location is just identif- identifying uh landmarks can also be a location giveaway so like um you know we're very close to austin here so if i went and stood in front of the state capitol i wouldn't have to put on my location that i'm in austin it would be very obvious right Mm -hmm. so there's certain places that um you could end up accidentally if you're not thinking about it you could accidentally end up like uh you know sharing your location without sharing your (laughs) your location if that makes sense um i know there's a lot there's a lot of fear around um you know, online grooming. And uh, I, I saw an article and I, I tried going back and finding it. Of course, I didn't bookmark it the day I saw it, but it was talking specifically about that, talking specifically about identifiable information and your picture backgrounds. And it was more focused on like back to school and child safety. Um, so I, you know, I know that there's a lot of concern around around that and like practical uh, ways to be safe online. But I also just want to take the opportunity to say that uh, 90% of the time uh, when it comes to like uh, child sexual exploitation and things like that. It's someone the per- the child knows. Uh, I'm not saying that, <laughs> uh, you know, it doesn't happen online. It does. But uh, if you really want to be proactive and talk about, you know, prevention and things like that, it, it's it's important to know that statistic that um, that it's more likely uh, someone your child knows versus someone online uh, versus a boogeyman online, I guess I should say. Um, mm. But with that being said, like all of these you know, online safety uh, tips are still really important. I mean, I actually utilize pretty much all of these myself. I'm very uh, uh, aware of not posting my location online or using my uh, full real name. I I try to be as uh, non-findable as possible Mm -hmm. (laughs) on my social media. So I don't think, I mean, I think it's a a great thing to do. Um, But I I just also want to be clear in the, in the aspect of like what we do and, um, that it's not a be all end all of, you know, safety, uh, just being safe online isn't, mm-hmm. isn't everything. And if you want to learn more about online safety, we do have an article about that that I think Megan mm-hmm. wrote on Stop the Hurt. I did. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So you can go there to learn more. Um, and probably we have some other information written by some staff of our Children's Advocacy Center. You can mm-hmm. learn more about how to have conversations about uh, online safety with the youth and young adults in your life. And um, that sometimes we just know that developmentally they're at an age where they think that they're invincible, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that um, they know that there's dangers that exist on the internet with talking to random strangers or trying mm-hmm. to meet up with people online. Um, and I know that you had mentioned the term online grooming, which some people may or may not be familiar with familiar with grooming being the process that somebody takes to establish trust in a relationship with somebody that they mm-hmm. 
intend to uh, perpetrate violence against, usually sexual abuse when it comes in the uh, when it comes to minors. Uh, but uh, yeah, a lot of youth think that just that it's not going to happen to them. And as Megan mentioned, that it's usually somebody that they know that is more likely to perpetrate abuse against them. But we also know that um, there's still risk involved with meeting up with somebody online, mm-hmm. um, whether you're a teenager who's talking to random people or you're a young adult or even an adult who's trying to meet up with somebody from a dating app. I'm still thinking about how Megan mentioned like the boogeyman and it's like <laughs> every time we be- I feel like or at least for me when I hear like digital abuse you know you think of like some weird creepy hacker trying to get into your account trying to steal mm-hmm. your identity but you know things uh, and times are changing technology is evolving you know um, the simple like red receipts on an iPhone if someone's forcing you to like turn those right. on to make sure that you like receive their message is like I guess a new way to do that or like y'all mentioned, just sharing your your password um, to your email. Um, it's like, oh, well, I just shared that. But it's like, if you do give that information out, there's a way. Like, you don't even need, like, any software at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, you can literally just get every single text message that comes into their phone. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like, technology is evolving, but not to, like, scare everyone. It's just kind of like, just be aware of the things that can happen and those red flags. Um, so it is now time for our prevention and action tip. And this episode, episode's prevention and action tip is to, uh, not forget to discuss and also respect, um, people's digital boundaries. The line between, um, uh, he- healthy and unhealthy relationships, um, in general, not just romantic, you know, it could be with friends, can sometimes get confusing when it goes online. Um, it can sometimes be confusing even if it's not online. So it's important to discuss what your digital relationship should look like or what you would like for it to look like. Um, mm-hmm. there's no one size fits all. Different people have different agreements. And, you know, it can be as simple as just asking someone, you know, hey, so like, how would you want us to communicate like through texting or social media? Like, is it okay for me to tag you in this picture? You know, do you feel like fine with this? Um, It doesn't have to be like a super weird, creepy conversation or awkward conversation. Um, It's important to note that your digital boundaries can change and evolve with time. So just because you're comfortable with something at the beginning of the relationship or friendship doesn't mean that it has to stay like that and vice versa. If you weren't comfortable at the beginning, you know, things can change you might be comfortable with it now and Mm -hmm. you know just always remember that you're not a bad person for setting boundaries both in real life and in the digital world um and thank you so much for joining us on this episode don't forget to follow us on social media and visit our educational website at www.stopthehurt.org for more and also remember to speak up speak out and be outspoken